back to another edition of Bavarian Podcast Works. This is Chuck Smith, and I'm here to bring you the weekend warm-up, BFW's weekly show where we hit on all of the big news of the week. Like every other week on this site, it was chock full of huge news. Where do you even start? There is so much going on, so many big stories, so much in motion. You had Germany playing and showing a lot of life. You've got the ongoing transfer sagas of Robert Lewandowski, Serge Gnabry, Sadio Mane. Oh, there are so many. So why don't we get right to it? We'll follow our normal format. We'll hit on the five things that we learned this week. And what we learned first off is that the transfer sagas of Sadio Mane, Serge Gnabry, and Robert Lewandowski are not over by any means, but they do look like they are starting to see a little bit of light at the end of the tunnel. So let's hit on Mane first. Uh, it looks like Bayern Munich is going to be having additional talks with Liverpool this weekend. I think it's pretty common knowledge by this point that Bayern Munich is going to acquire Sadio Mane. I don't see any way at this stage that the deal is going to break down. Mane, by all accounts, wants to come to Bayern Munich. The Bavarians, by all accounts, want Sadio Mane. So it just looks like if the money lines up between the two clubs, this one is going to get done. And I think when it gets done, there's going to be a relatively big celebration from Bayern fans. Mane is a, is a terrific talent. Uh, he's exceptionally fast. He is an attacker who can create offense for himself and for others. And while I personally would probably rather see Jamal Musiala uh, step into that role that Mane will be given... Uh, you know, if push came to shove, uh, I will tell you that Mane is the type of player that will help Bayern Munich win games. He's the type of player who's going to create excitement. It's a very shrewd decision from Bayern Munich to go out and get Sadio Mane. I, I, I think that there's no way to dispute that. Even if you don't like Mane as a player, this is a good deal for Bayern Munich. Uh, when you have a player that wants to play for your club and you have the financial wherewithal to go out and get him, as Bayern does right now, I think it's an affordable price and that, you know, they're very smart in making it. And, you know, I did a whole podcast and essentially said, like, I'd rather Jamal Musiala get the opportunity. I'd rather roll with the players that Bayern has now. But even though I might feel that my way of doing things is, is the best way, I, I would never dispute that Mane is a, is a terrific player and it will be a good pickup for Bayern Munich. I expect the deal to get done soon. I don't know if it will get done as soon as this weekend, but now that there are no conflicts, there are no big matches for the German men's national team, um, you know, Bayern would potentially drop big news at any point. So uh, they don't have to strategically wait until they can get the focus on them. So uh, I'd expect that move to happen shortly. Uh, Serge Gnabry, um, he'll experience the biggest bit of fallout if Mane does sign. I think if Mane does sign, it's going to be exceptionally hard for Bayern Munich to convince Serge Gnabry that he has a place on this roster. And it sounds so weird to say that because Gnabry's so talented. And he looked like he was on his way to being really one of those uh, seminal Bayern players where he was going to be at the club for a long time. He was going to leave a big imprint. He was going to be the type of player that rose to the occasion and did great things for years. 
Unfortunately, it seems like even though Bayern Munich is reportedly willing to meet the salary that Gnabry wants, which is really crazy because it puts him right at the top end of the team, um, it just appears right now that Gnabry might be looking elsewhere. And, you know, it'll be very interesting to see if the Mane signing goes down, you know, what the fallout is. And you have Gnabry, whose position would definitely be affected, and the potential for him to go elsewhere. But it would also put Robert Lewandowski in a, in a bit of a bind, I would say. And it might mentally give him some things to, to really question and think about. Because one, you know, we all know by now he wants to leave Bayern Munich. He said it. He wants to go to FC Barcelona. He's also got PSG and Chelsea watching him. He absolutely has the ability to leave if Bayern is willing to sell him. If Mane comes, does Lewandowski look at that situation? Does he look around and see Mane on one flank, Kingsley Coman on another, Thomas Muller behind him, and does he think, this is exactly the kind of setup that could help me win a Ballon d'Or? I don't know. I don't know if Lewandowski's going to look that closely at it. I think his mind is set on leaving. I think that his wife's mind is set on leaving. And when that happens, if you were married like I am and your wife has her mind set on something, chances are, whether you like it or not, your mind is going to be set that way too. So uh, I would expect this to drag on, though, for a while with Lewandowski. I know Barcelona is reportedly preparing another offer, which could get up into that 50 million euro category that Byron is looking at. Um, and again, while I may think that that's still a little bit low for the best striker on earth, uh, it appears to be the number that Byron is targeting for a sale. And with Lewandowski getting ready to turn 34 in August, I could see a deal like that happening if Barcelona can you know, empty its pockets and check the couch cushions and maybe hit mom up for a loan. Because uh, if, if Barca gets that money, it does appear as if Bayern Munich will sell. So three big transfers potentially left this summer. Uh, some going out one possibly coming in. Uh, it will be extremely interesting to see how it plays out and how these moves all play off of each other. Uh, I just am am kind of shocked that we're at this point because with Gnabry, I just really, I didn't picture him being a player that was going to leave in the prime of his career. And it is kind of crazy how it's worked out. And, you know, there is great competition there in the attacking group. When you talk about Lewandowski, if you're throwing in Mane into the mix, Thomas Muller, Kingsley Coman, who this week we found out is undisputed and untouchable at Bayern Munich. You have Leroy Sané, even with his struggles, who we'll talk about in a little bit. You've got Jamal Musiala. You just have a ton of options. And I don't honestly fault Gnabry for wanting to leave, for looking at the positions on the squad. And uh, to be honest... Uh, it would not shock me at all if uh, he does leave and if it's because he wants to be assured of having more playing time. So that's what we learned about the Bayern Munich ongoing transfer situation this week. The second thing we learned this week is something that we all knew was happening, and that was Bayern made the signing of Ajax midfielder Ryan Gravenberch official. Uh, he is now a part of Bayern Munich. We all knew this was going to happen Again, this is a player who has a lot of talent, a lot of potential. He is the type of player who 
theoretically, Bayern Munich is buying a low and has the potential to see his ceiling and value really go through the roof. So I would think that this is, again, it's a shrewd move. Not necessarily one I would have made again just because I, I don't see him getting a lot of playing time. I think when Yashua Kimmich and Leon Goretzka are entrenched as starters, when you still have Marcel Sabitzer, despite all of the stories we're seeing about him and the conflicting situation he's having with the club, uh, I think that you have Jamal Musiala capable of dipping back in, into the central midfield. You have an, a potential acquisition of Conrad Limer. Uh, this is, you know, one of the more fascinating situations to watch develop. Uh, Graven Birch is, is, is a strong kid. He's a quick kid. He, he figures to be more of a box-to-box midfielder, someone that could potentially be a player that would step in or fill in for Leon Goretzka when Goretzka inevitably gets hurt. But, uh, you know, what if Goretzka stays healthy? What if Sabitzer stays with the club and is actually in form this season. We've seen young players come to Bayern Munich in the past. We've seen them, some of them, get stuck in situations where they don't get on the field. And whether you're looking at Mark Roca, Thiago Dantas, or one of any number of players, even Tangai Nianzu, players, no matter what position they are, they come to Bayern Munich, they see, they just see the world because it's such a great club, they're making great money, but... They sometimes overlook what that depth chart looks like, and sometimes the allure of playing for a club like Bayern Munich can start to be outweighed by the frustration of not being able to get on the pitch when you're young and or in your prime. So Gravenberch is a, is a player who is used to being in the starting 11. He's a player that has expectations, likely, of, of eventually evolving into that role. Will it happen at Bayern Munich? Will Nagelsmann play a formation where he can feature three central midfielders? I doubt that. But when you look at Gravenberch, you look at his ability, I get why Byron made the signing. I get why it makes sense for the team, why it makes sense to provide that kind of depth on the roster to give them an option. Someone who is athletic like Leon Goretzka, who can get up and down the field like Goretzka, who can get into the box and use his physicality like Goretzka. I get all of that. I just, and you've heard me say this before, I get a little wary when it's a young player who should be on the pitch or a player who's in their prime and they are willing to accept a backup role because I feel like it looks good initially, but the day-to-day living of being a substitute when you know you can start somewhere else is just not the way to go. And I think it does have a big effect on players like we saw this year with Marcel Sabitzer. So, Graven Birch uh, makes he checks all the boxes for this being a good move, but you know I have my reservations, and it has nothing to do with the kid or his ability. He, by all accounts, and everything you read about him, he's got a great attitude. So I don't worry about that. I just worry about a kid who who could easily be a starter somewhere, and and who likely won't get that chance this season. Maybe not next season. Maybe not even the one after. So we'll have to wait and see. How this all plays out, it's definitely a situation that Bayern Munich and Bayern Munich fans will be monitoring for the long run. The third thing that we learned this week is that Germany was pretty damn good against Italy in that second game, which you heard me talk at length about. But within that match, what we saw is that Leroy Sané is still slumping a bit. And the whole situation with Sané is kind of amazing, to be honest. 
Uh, this is a guy with such supreme ability, supreme talent. He is a player that is dynamic, can change a game at all times. He is just, I mean, every scout will tell you how good he is. Every fan will drool over his ability. But for whatever reason, since the start of the Rook Ronda, he has not been able to put it together. No matter what position he has played, whether it's been on the wing, left wing or right wing, whether it's been an attacking midfield where he played a bit when Bayern was running a back three, Sané has just not been himself. And, you know, we've seen some of the bad things that we had heard about prior to him joining Bayern Munich. Yes, he has shown some diva-like tendencies. He has gotten into a spat with his coach. He has pouted on the field. His body language has been terrible at times. But through all of that, he would always show you these flashes of brilliance that made you keep believing that while you might not like the guy 100% or like how he acts all the time, he had just enough talent, just enough ability to convince you to keep him around and keep supporting him. Now, though, he is in such a funk that I don't know how he gets out of it. When you look at Sané and you examine his game, he's got such dynamic moves, footwork, and explosiveness in small spaces that when he's in a 1v1, you always feel confident in his ability to beat that defender, but he has not been good. And that's been one of the most glaring parts of his weaknesses of his game of late is his inability to win those 1v1s. Now, listen, all shooters, if you are an attacker, you're going to go through a slump. If you're, whether you're a footballer, whether you are a basketball player, if you are a hitter in baseball, you're going to go through a slump at some point. Some guys never recover from their slumps. Some, some guys don't have the mentality to battle through it. I'm not going to say that Sané doesn't have that mentality. I'm sure this is not the first time he's been in a funk. But I think this seems to be the longest stretch of his career where he does not look like his normal self, where he looks like a player who is questioning himself every time he's out on the pitch. For Bayern Munich fans, you have to hope that this time off is good for Sané and that he's able to clear his head and get together. Maybe he'll move to that new house in California that he, that he just bought for a little bit and just take some time off. Because I think more than anything, Sané needs to shut his brain off, reboot, and start things over. It looks more to me like he's in his head than anything else. There's a there's a lack of confidence, a lack of assurance in his in his game right now. And, you know, because of his talent, he's going to get the benefit of the doubt from someone like Hansi Flick. And I think it's fairly well known at this point. Flick did not want Sané at Bayern Munich. He preferred other options like Timo Werner or Kai Havertz. But when he did get Sané, one of Flick's biggest impressions on Sané is he was able to deal with those diva-like tendencies that, that Sané had shown early on. And Flick was able to draw maybe Sané's best period of being a complete player uh, of his career. Uh, you know, even coming that year coming off of the ACL injury, Flick pushed Sané to become a better defender, to compete at both ends of the pitch. And if anything... If Flick had any impact on Sonny, it was that, and he made him a more well-rounded player. Now, that part of his game I don't think is lacking. Sonny still has shown the ability to get back and the willingness to get back, which not, wasn't always there early in his career. Now, though, he's struggling with the things that probably came most naturally to him early on in his career, and that's 
scoring, attacking, creating offense, shooting. Uh, it's just tough to watch him at times this year because he looks like he's questioning himself. And, and it truly is one of the more puzzling things because he's had support no matter where he's been. And, you know, I think Hansi Flick could look at his roster and say, certainly Sané was not one of the most 11, one of the 11 players most in form entering that Italy match. But Flick knows enough to, to realize he's got to get Sané in form heading into the World Cup. And if he could do anything, even if it's giving him an opportunity in a UEFA Nations League match to get himself going in the right direction, Flick did that. So where Nagelsmann takes over with this, we'll see. I'm not so sure that, that Leroy Sané is going to have a spot in the starting 11. And if that doesn't happen... How does he get affected? How does he handle that? If he's already having problems dealing with his with his confidence, if he's already pouting a little bit and his body language sucks, how is he going to handle it if he's got to sit on the bench behind Kingsley Coman or Sadio Mane or Jamal Musiala or Thomas Muller? We don't know what formation Donaldson's going to run, but what we do know is competition, whether it's going to be on the wing or in the, as an attacking midfielder, is going to be intense. So, Sané has his work cut out for him. And if he can't get it together, he likely will not find himself on the pitch for Bayern Munich. And I think for a lot of fans, that will be disappointing. And, and, you know, I found it very interesting this week when reading about Sané is that he he didn't want to be viewed as this, they referred to as Messiah coming into Bayern Munich, which is exactly what I think most fans expected. He was going to be the next great winger for Bayern Munich. And, you know, he has been good. Has he been at the level of prime Franck Ribéry or Arjen Robin? Nope. No, he has not. Does he have that potential? Yes, absolutely he does. But I don't know if he's going to get there. And how he handles his situation this year, especially if they bring in Sadio Mane, will probably tell us a lot about how Leroy Sané is going to manage the rest of his career at Bayern Munich. I think we all need to stay tuned on that because this is going to be very interesting to see what he does and how he handles everything. If he continues to go down this road of slumping and being in a funk and he can't mentally get himself out of it, it, it's going to be a problem. So the fourth thing that we learned this week is, yeah, this is a tough one for me. This is a really tough one for me. And that there's a couple here. I'm going to talk about two players in particular. First, the hashtag ARP train is, uh, he's leaving the station. The latest reports indicate that Fita ARP is going to move back to Holstein Kiel. He is going to go back as a free transfer. Bayern Munich is going to buy him out of his contract. The, about the only good part of this for Bayern Munich is that they have retained a, I believe, a 35% sell-on clause in that contract that Fita Arp will have. So if Arp can somehow turn his career around and get going in the right direction, Bayern Munich would stand to potentially make a lot of money. But I think there is some severe doubt that Fita Arp is going to be able to do that just because through all the illnesses, through all of the injuries, through a bout of confidence and just a case of too much too soon, Fita Arp has not been able to find that form that he displayed as a youngster, to find that confidence that he had when he first 
joined Bayern Munich when he was taking on Marcelo and, and pulling off moves that none of us knew that he had when he scored against Tottenham Hotspur in, uh, in, an, in a preseason friendly. He showed glimpses of what he could be and how he could be effective. And man, I was on board. I was leading that hashtag ARP train and I have been dealing with train wreck memes ever since. <laughs> so uh, I am sad to see him go. He is one of the greatest what ifs for me because I feel like if he had been able to stay healthy, if he had avoided just a weird illness that he had during his first season in Bavaria, if he would have gotten a little more, uh, I guess, opportunity with the first team to stick and be in that environment every day, I would have liked to have seen how it played out, but it didn't work. The club tried. It it loaned him away. It did basically everything that it could to get him going in the right direction. Nothing seemed to work when, when, as we're seeing with Leroy Sané, when a player is dealing with confidence issues, when they're not feeling great about their game, when they start to doubt themselves for the first time in their career, because let's face it, if you've made it to that level where Bayern Munich is interested in you or buying you, then you probably have not had a real extended down period in your career. You've probably always been the best or one of the two or three best players on whatever team you were on. Now you get to a point where you have a, a, a confidence issue, where you can't uh, seem to get yourself to perform to the best of your ability when that happens. And when you can't do that, I think it throws some guys into a downward downward spiral. I think that's what we saw with Arp. I'm not saying that Sané is in the same boat. Sané is much more accomplished, has done so much more. But you could see how when you're in a slump and you start to doubt yourself, how it could be very hard to try and pull yourself up out of that hole. The other player who, again, this is a guy that I've endorsed over the years. I think this kid's fantastic. I think he's got all the makings of a great center back. I think he's proven he's a Bundesliga quality starter. And I think that he's shown that he can be the type of player that can evolve and develop into just a a, a solid starting professional player who can play on any team in Europe. It looks like Bayern Munich is going to look to sell Chris Richards this summer. We did see a report that Bayern would accept a 15 million euro offer for Richards. He does have some interest right now. I think Southampton was one of the clubs. Hoffenheim was another For me, I would hate to see Richards go because I feel like he still has untapped potential. I feel like he's a center back that Bayern Munich, he's just tailor-made for Bayern Munich. He's big, he's physical, he's got good quickness and good passing ability. And that's why I think when I look at him, he is the type of player, type of young center back who could be a fit for the long term. And that's, it's interesting to me that the club has, kind of went all in on Tangai Nianzu when they have Richards right there. They have a player who has shown the ability to start in the Bundesliga and perform well, but they're going to give the opportunity to Tangai Nianzu instead. I, I question it. I Part of me wonders if it has to do with, with the fact that Brazo was instrumental in pulling Tangai Nianzu in and in that he was one of the biggest champions of getting Nianzu Uh, But I feel like Byron's missing the boat on Richards. If they do sell him, I think he's going to have a good, a very good career. I think he's just got all the good qualities that you want. And 
for me, it's a shame if it does happen. If I had to guess right now, I'd say it probably is going to happen. I think that Bayern Munich is looking to generate some funds. I think they know Richards holds some value, that he is a player that many teams no doubt would like to have and to work with. And, uh, you know, he's a good kid with a great attitude, and he's got a lot of good versatility. He's got so many good qualities. I think it's a, it's a natural fit for the club to look to sell him. And unfortunately for someone like me, who has been a big proponent of Richards over the years, I think it's going to happen. And it is kind of funny because, I mean, I guess if I like start to endorse you or pump you up or start a hashtag about you, your career is about to go downhill at Bayern Munich fast. I mean, look at my record here. We've got the ARP train. We've got Richards who, again, like the kid doesn't, he doesn't, you know, he doesn't deserve any ire or anything. He's been nothing but good since he joined Bayern Munich. Uh, they just are, I guess, looking to go in a different direction. But, you know, Arp, Richards, they, they're, you know, they've taken paths, I think, that um, they probably didn't expect. I think if you would have pulled these kids when the, each of them first came to Bayern Munich, they would have probably thought they'd be right in line for competing for a starting spot by now. But it's it's not happening for either one at this point. And, uh, you know, it's a shame. You know, I, I think if you're Richards, you probably feel a lot better about where your career is headed because you've went out and you've proven yourself. And if Bayern Munich is going to look to sell you, then they're going to look to sell you. And you can hold your head high and you can say, like, listen, I've done the best I can. I've proven myself in one of the best leagues on earth. And uh, I'm confident in my ability to go out and get the job done no matter what club employs me. If you're ARP, you're probably you know, looking to, to regain a mentality that you're going to have to scratch and claw your way back into respectability. We don't know if there are any clubs that right now see anything in him that that would make them want to invest in him at this point. Holstein Kiel had ARP on loan last year. He did, didn't have a great season, battled it some injuries once again, was fairly inconsistent when he was on the pitch, did not produce a lot. But, um, you know, for them, this is a, a decent move because they're taking a flyer on him. It was, you know, pretty much a no-lose situation. So I do hope that he gets it together. I hope that Richard sticks at Bayern Munich. But if he doesn't, I, I'm very confident that wherever he goes, they're going to find out he's a great player and he's going to have a really nice career for himself. So just disappointing from a personal standpoint because I enjoyed watching both players and think that both players had a lot of potential, especially at Bayern Munich. I thought they both held some qualities that would make them successful there. But what do I know? I'm just some dope talking into a, a microphone right now. <laughs> the fifth and final thing that we learned this week, and this was maybe my favorite story of the week, and it probably shouldn't be, but there are a lot of parallels between Joshua Kimmich and Anakin Skywalker. Now, I did kind of make light of that story by using the Star Wars analogy. Um, and I thought it was kind of funny. It kind of did fit. But I wanted to have some fun with that. Of course, we know when we get some of these reports from Build, some of them are, you know, might not be 100% factual. So when we see some of these and we have a little skepticism, we like to try and have a little fun. So I did that. But if you look at the situation and you look at a player like Kimmich, who is not only driven by success, but is all pretty much maniacal about it. I could see why he would be looking to get closer to the coach that the coach has invested into Kimmich and to trying to help make him uh, the best possible player that he can be. 
I think that Nagelsmann and Kimmich have a bit of a relationship going back a few years and that that this is something that Nagelsmann looks at and says, all right, this guy is clearly going to be the next captain of this club. He's a player that I absolutely have to have, not just on my leadership council, but on my side, uh, because he is the type of player who has a big enough voice within the locker room, apparently bigger than either Thomas Muller or Manuel Neuer right now, uh, when it comes to connecting with the coach. But regardless... He's the type of player who has that strong voice and is popular and is basically loved by most of the players. And if you watched the Bayern documentary on Amazon Prime, you really saw how not only is Kimmich like, you know, just a great player and someone who's super intense on the pitch, but the way he interacts with his teammates, when we saw that scene when a couple of guys were watching Usman Dembele and talking about how great he was and Kimmich said, and I believe it was Coman and Gnabry, and Kimmich said, I'd rather have either two of you guys than him. Uh, it's those little things that you get the feeling that Kimmich probably does all the time. And and while he can come across as a bit of a J.O. at times, I guess, to some people, uh, I think he gets a pass on that because it's Joshua Kimmich. That's just what he's like. He's that competitive. He's that driven. And when you, you get that pass, it gives you some license to be uh, an a-hole at times. And, and sometimes Kimmich is, I'm sure. But I think there's enough evidence that goes around to say that he's also the, the guy that is most likely to, to be that keystone, to, to be the player that bridges the old generation of Manuel Neuer and Thomas Muller with the new generation of players that are coming through. And and Kimmich looks to be that, that the captain-type player that I think uh, that Bayern Munich is going to look to to keep secure and build around. Now, we saw Kimmich talk a little bit this week about, uh, not really talk about, but not be committal about his future. And some outlets ran with that and said, you know, Kimmich's open to leaving in the future. Of course, who isn't open to it? I mean, look at the, pro, you know, professional golfers. I mean, they just took uh, just mountains of money to go play for the Live Tour and leave the PGA. So, yeah, anybody's open, you know. It's like the million dollar man said every man everybody has his price, right? Like if you remember the 80s, I was a kid back then, but I do remember that uh wrestling promo. <laughs> so, you know, everybody's got their price and maybe Kimmick would have his, but getting back to the point here, I do think that Nagelsmann is is smart. I think he's identified Kimmick as the type of player that he should connect with, that he should build a rapport with. I think Kimmich also recognizes that he is that leader for the next generation, that he needs to have that connection with his coach, whoever it is. Because, you know, as you can tell, he's got a very close connection with Hansi Flick as well for the German national team. Um, Will Kimmich's relationship with Nagelsmann rub some people the wrong way? Sure, it definitely will. Some players will, you know, you'll hear all the, you know, boot licking, butt kissing, all that probably at some point. Some players will probably be unhappy with it, especially because part of the report was that, you know, Nagelsmann has taken a real vested interest in in helping Kimmich work through some of his weaker areas in his game. He's personally going to help him get better at those. But again, Nagelsmann's going to count on the respect that Kimmich has. Kimmich is going to count on the fact that he has a proven track record of being a good teammate, someone who has always supported his brothers in arms at Bayern Munich. So I don't worry about that story. I don't think, you know, Kimmich is trying to climb his way up the corporate ladder and, 
you know, make it so he overtakes Manuel Neuer and Thomas Muller on the team's leadership uh, hierarchy. I think he'll get there eventually, but, you know, I think he also is wise enough to recognize that players like Muller and Neuer are club legends. They still are held in the most utmost with the most. I'm an idiot with the utmost respect to their teammates. So I think when you look at Kimmich and you see the situation, it's nothing to be alarmed at. I don't think there's any kind of unholy alliance going on that Kimmich's going to be the mole that runs to Nogglesman when guys are bitching in the locker room. I don't see that at all. I, I do think it makes sense for both of those parties to have a quote-unquote special relationship because they're going to need each other moving forward, especially entering this season where Bayern Munich has so many question marks. We don't know exactly how they're going to react and what they're going to do. Uh, we don't know what the roster is going to look like. And if anything, you know, as we've talked about before, this is a year where you could say that Bayern might be a little susceptible to uh, to getting, you know, not just knocked out of the Champions League early, but they could be up on a perch to get knocked off by the likes of Arbe Leipzig or Borussia Dortmund or Bayer Leverkusen. It could happen. Now, I'm not saying it will, but this is, if of any year, this is a year where Bayern Munich certainly looks a little more susceptible to, to losing its grasp on the Bundesliga. So the final thing that we'll hit on is uh, just a quick entertainment update. And it's funny because... When you go and you binge watch shows, um, you know, if it's like you know, Netflix or whatever, like you can rip through Stranger Things in a couple of days and I can get on here and I can talk about it and it's all good. I don't like to get in and talk about things episode by episode. And that's kind of what we're doing right now with Obi-Wan Kenobi on Disney Plus and uh, The Boys on Amazon Prime, which both shows have been very, very good. Um, I'm keeping up week to week, and, and all I'll say is because I like to avoid the spoilers. I'm really enjoying both shows. They're, you know, as I've said before, The Boys is just a, a rollicking mess, and it's fun, and uh, it's got just a great concept and a great story, and it, and it works well on screen. Obi Wan Kenobi so far has has kept me interested. It's a it's a tough subject to dive into if you're a writer because you're taking a legendary character. And you are trying to fill in gaps of history that were probably never meant to be filled in. So I admire the job that's going on. I admire what the writing team is doing there and, and, and the production on that show. So uh, two thumbs up. If you are you know, a Star Wars nerd like me, uh, you, know, you should be checking out Obi-Wan Kenobi. If you are just someone who likes some action, some comedy, and just an interesting storyline, check out the boys. You will not be disappointed. So that's all we got for this week. I want you to keep your eyes open for some new faces on the site. We'll see if we'll have any of those, uh, noobs, uh, come onto the podcast at any point, but, uh, take a look at those bylines. You might see some familiar faces or some familiar names and, uh, check out their work. I think you'll like some of the, uh, new folks that we have and the opinions they have and the work that they'll do. So I'm excited to have some new blood injected in the BFW. As always, you can get me at the Barrel Blog on Twitter. You can get the site at Bavarian FB Works. You can get Tom, the Tweetmeister, who has been on a hiatus from podcasting because his schedule sucks, at, at TommyAdam71. You can get I Need No Name at BFWINNN. 
you can get Samarin, Schnitzel, and Teddy-san all on the site with all the posts that they write. Hopefully, that threesome gets on Twitter soon. I don't even know, to be honest, if Teddy is on Twitter. I'll have to check with him. I don't know. and I probably should know that because if he's writing on the team that I manage, I should probably follow him if he's on Twitter. So I'll have to dig into that and do some investigative journalism to find out what Teddy is up to. Teddy and his deep baritone voice that we all like to hear on Bavarian Podcast Work. So, hey, thanks again. Have a great weekend. Have a couple of beers on me. I've got a couple of German brews waiting in my fridge to be... uh, to be sitting in front of me this weekend so I can drink them. So I'm looking forward to that. I love talking to you guys every week, and we will see you next time.